This is the Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. Investigative conversations about issues that impact our lives. Be curious. Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Only on 101.9 High FM. Okay, and we are here with the Deep Dive. And I'm Brooke Spector, as you know. I'm always here with the Deep Dive, even if I don't swim very well. And we're really pleased uh, today to have a chance for a, a, a good, serious conversation with an old friend from Africa, but who is now in the United States, David Smith, the Guardian Washington correspondent. He spent years in Africa, and I think he probably visited almost every country on the continent and interviewed most of the leaders of the places at the time and looked at all kinds of other stories. And now he's, he's looking at a very different kind of environment, which is just as perplexing and just as confusing, I think. Uh, David, it's a delight to have you uh, here. One of the things that I wanted to let you explore for us or help us figure out is this sudden ex- explosion in Washington, the, uh, the reveal of a draft opinion on abortion, on rep- reproductive rights uh, that would effectively have overturned a 49-year-old precedent, uh, Roe versus Wade, and then uh, a subsequent one in 1992, in fact. Now, it's not official, and it's, not the, it's certainly not the Supreme Court's final word on the matter, but it's a heads-up to people that this is where the thinking is going. But I want you to, to, to talk about that, but also why it matters the way the court is dealing with this. And after all, uh, reproductive rights can be a state's issue, one state at a time, and many states already have legislated reproductive rights and abortion. Many of the biggest states, California, New York, Illinois, and so forth. But at the same time, we are now in the middle of the uh, perpetual campaign for the so-called midterm elections. Congress, some a third of the Senate, a bunch of governors, hundreds of other officials. And this issue, plus a couple of others, seem to now be embedded in the conversation as well. What does this mean for the United States? What does it mean for the way people are responding to well, uh, America's politics? America is a very divided nation. And I think this... Uh, impending Supreme Court decision is another aftershock of uh, the Donald Trump um, presidency. Um, As you touched on there, we're we're talking here about um, a legal precedent known as Roe versus Wade, which um, goes back to 1973. And it was based on a a case in uh, Texas when a a woman under the pseudonym Jane Roe challenged a criminal abortion law in that state. And... um, the Supreme Court uh, ruled that actually women across the whole of America should have a, a constitutional right to abortion, certainly in the uh, in the first trimester, and then maybe states could uh, impose some restrictions in the, the second um, trimester. And this has been uh, the law of the land for uh, nearly half a century. However, Mississippi is challenging it with a, a 15-week abortion ban, so that's why it's come before the Supreme Court, they have the power to potentially overturn that precedent and say that uh, the justices 49 years ago were, were, were wrong. 
And as you mentioned, um, it certainly appears that's what they're going to do. We had a, a very unprecedented leak of a draft opinion by the justices um, just a couple of weeks ago that uh, described Roe versus Wade as egregiously wrong, said it should never have been decided, and indicated that um, a majority of the justices intend to throw it out. That will mean there's no longer a, a national right to abortion, and instead it goes to state level. And right now that probably means roughly half the states in, in America would totally ban abortion or, or pretty nearly totally. And just to give you one example, literally yesterday, Oklahoma has um, imposed such a strict ban that it um, would say you cannot abort from the moment of fertilization of the, of the egg. So that's effectively a, a total ban. And this is important on various levels, at a human rights level. There are women who say America is all about giving rights to people with the right to gay marriage, uh, the right to nation integration. And in this instance, um, the country would actually be taking a right away. It would have a devastating effect, particularly on poorer women and women of color. If they live in the, uh, the states where the abortion bans, they would have to try and travel hundreds of miles to get an abortion or try and do it illegally. And probably women will die because of that. And this issue also tells us about America's political polarization. Democrats are horrified and against this. Uh, Republicans are generally in favor of it, even though it could uh, backfire on them in the uh, elections. And um, part of the issue there is that it's only come to this because Donald Trump, uh, who did not win the national popular vote, but was elected, appointed three of the Supreme Court justices out of a total of nine. And that really helped the Conservatives build a majority and really the culmination of a, of a half century effort by the right wing in America to overturn Roe versus Wade appears to be now bearing fruit. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I've read lots of various polls on uh, public opinion polls and attitude surveys. And by a considerable but not overwhelming majority, uh, Americans, be they black, be they white, male, female, Republican, Democrat, Northerners, Southerners, uh, a considerable number of Americans believe that abortion or reproductive rights should be as they are currently, rather than constrained further. And, fur and also, to, my, to the best of my understanding, this would be the first time the court would ever have rolled back a previously guaranteed or discovered, if, if you're an originalist, discovered a right. And what's the effect of, of all this going to be on the elections? I mean, we see some of it in the, in the various primaries that are taking place now, especially among Republican candidates. But some people have said, Republicans are like the dog chasing the car running down the street. What are they going to do when they catch the car? First, I think, I believe that is correct. It's the first time a, a right would actually be taken away. And uh, some of the legal scholars pour over that and say, well, Roe versus Wade was, was not ideal legal reasoning. Some would argue that it was based on a, a right to privacy. And that's, some see that as ambiguous and certainly not actually in the original constitution. But, but even so... Many feel it would be, it's going to be hugely destabilizing to change a law of 50 years and take a, a right away. Um, 
you're you're definitely correct that um, opinion polls show pretty strong support for Roe versus Wade, and in fact, even since the the leak of this draft opinion by Justice Samuel Alito, some surveys have been taken which um, show roughly a, a two thirds majority in favour of keeping um, Roe versus Wade, and for years polls have always pointed roughly in that direction and depending how you ask the question, maybe there's a bit of variance, but I think this does illustrate how, because of all sorts of quirks in the American electoral system, uh, the Electoral College, the Senate, the Supreme Court no longer really fully represent uh, the people. They're, they're out of step, they're out of kilter, whether it's the, you know, a, a state with a small population having two Republican senators or whether it's the Supreme Court being uh, appointed uh, significantly by Republicans who didn't win the national popular vote and, and so on. And America is really going to pay the price for that democratic deficit, if you like now. And indeed, um, that leads on to questions over what will happen in November's midterm elections. Remember, the, the presidency is not at stake, but uh, control of Congress, the, the House of Representatives and Senate is, is up for grabs. And the response to the leaked opinion has been interesting in that Democrats have naturally seized on it and think there's an opportunity here to galvanize young liberal voters, especially women, but also independent voters living in the suburbs who maybe were, were leaning Republican at a time of rising inflation and fears over crime and so on. They may well now go the other way. And what's a real tell is that Republicans are not celebrating, they are downplaying this imminent um, decision because I think they know they'll be punished at the ballot box. We're speaking with David Smith, Washington correspondent for The Guardian. This is The Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. And we are back in the, st we're back in the studio. Actually, we're not in the studio. We're sitting at a restaurant because the power on my street disappeared yesterday evening. And the best I could do was to find a nice quiet corner at a friendly cafe. And we're talking with David Smith, who I've known for many years. Uh, he was the uh, Guardian correspondent for Africa. And he traveled all over the continent, visiting many of the countries and speaking to many of their leaders. And then he went off to the United States to become their Washington correspondent where he now gets to do the same thing on an equally confusing and perplexing continent. And we were just talking about the impact of the uh, potential Roe versus Wade repeal by the Supreme Court, uh, this uh, accidentally on purpose revealed draft opinion drafted by Associate Justice uh, Sam Alito, which basically said that a 49-year-old president was invalid, was foolish, and was uh, he had all kinds of adjectives for it. I read the, I read the the the, uh, the draft opinion, and it was uh, it was scathing about his predecessor judges on the Supreme Court, as well as the logic that went to it. Now, I have lawyer friends who told me that it would have been far better for reproductive rights abortion proponents to have fought their battles at each of the, of the state legislative levels and in the Congress, but they chose to go the route of a court 
process getting to the Supreme Court and getting this sweeping judgment. But that was what was the, ca- the case for half a century. And now the possibility, strong possibility exists that it may be repealed, uh, leaving women, as, as you said, David, uh, left with the, with the problem if you're poor or if you're a minority traveling hundreds of miles potentially to find a legal, safe, and uh, appropriate abortion clinic in a neighboring state or one not so neighboring, perhaps. But the Republicans seem enormously charged with the idea that this is A, good policy, and B, good electoral politics. Does that make sense to you? It's interesting that um, Republicans in the U.S. have for many, many years been waging so-called culture wars. They, they choose these, these hot-button topics that don't require lots of detailed policy, not really to do with economics, but uh, right now, for example, they, uh, there's a lot of focus on the way race and America's racial history is taught in schools. That's proved quite electorally successful for some, and you know, they really scare stories that white students are being taught that they're evil and they're oppressors and so on. And and abortion is a classic example of this. And of course, the religious right took it up for years. But uh, many would argue and assume that they never quite thought it would go this far, that they wanted to chip away at Roe versus Wade and and actually did so quite successfully. And, uh, you know, at state level, it's already hard to get an abortion. But they they always reckoned that uh, the Supreme Court would maybe just water it down and as you mentioned, in fact, the Supreme Court has has really nuked it, has uh, completely eviscerated it, in a what's felt like a very politicized opinion. And I think I think Republicans maybe secretly are glad about that and and realize that it can animate uh, the Donald Trump base. But many of them are also worried that uh, it is a case of overreach. That, as you say, the 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 dog did catch the car. That. Uh, it's a case of be careful what you wish for. They have got what they wished for, and they could see an, an electoral backlash. Um, so you, you know, you did not see many Republicans celebrating this leaked opinion and uh, crowing and saying we did it. They they were being quiet and playing it down. They they do not want this to become a major issue in the midterm elections uh, where you know they had been and still are expected to do very well this November, but. Uh, you know, this this could um, Roe versus Wade could mobilize some Democratic voters against them. Um, if if I understand American electoral dynamics properly, now it's been a few years since I've uh, had to to watch it firsthand. But you know, you read and you pay attention. Women tend, on the whole, to vote more frequently than men by a few percentage points across the country. Middle-aged people tend to vote more frequently than uh, young people and the elderly, I mean, anybody over 65, I guess, tends to vote more frequently up until a point when they're no longer mobile enough to vote. And if that's true, then is it in the realm of possibility the Democrats will find a, a toehold with people who want to see this possible decision pushed back against? by a change in Congress. I don't for a minute think that Congress is going to pass a sweeping bit of legislation 
that uh, proposes confirming the right to abortion in all states and all ways, but perhaps less of a Republican victory than they think they have possibilities for now. Yes, there's just been an opinion poll that shows, uh, a, you know, a significant percentage of Democrats said they were they are now more likely to vote in the midterm elections precisely because of this Roe versus Wade opinion. And for Republicans, that that figure was much um, smaller. Young people normally do not vote in elections a lot, and and certainly in the midterms, I think the figure might be so like only one in eight do. So if you can if you if the Democrats can mobilize um, a lot of people in their 20s and 30s who, who normally don't care and say reproductive rights are on the ballot here, the women's future is on the ballot, uh, that will certainly be advantageous for, for Democrats. Worth remembering, of course, generally women are not going to vote in a block necessarily uh, in favor of Roe versus Wade. There are plenty of right-wing women Republican women who uh, want to see this law struck down, but um, but but in general, this could well have some consequences for the for the midterms. But the the overall view is that it will not be an absolute game changer because there are so many other factors in play: the uh, coronavirus pandemic, uh, crime, security at the border. Just the fact that uh, whichever party holds the White House tends to do badly in midterm elections, as we saw with Barack Obama when he was president. Um, and then ab- above all, um, rising prices, inflation. You hear a lot of complaints about uh, the cost of gas, of petrol. Right now, I think inflation is probably going to be more significant than uh, the abortion rights issue. But, um, but you know, when the actual official decision comes out, m- maybe that will change. And dare I say it, baby formula. Yes, Joe Biden has a sort of political nightmare over that. So it's such a tangible, visceral topic, isn't it? The fact there's a a shortage of about forty percent of normal in many retailers of baby formula right right now, uh, which is not the case across the border in Canada, for example. America is very dependent on three manufacturers, and one of them had a problem with its factory. So. Uh, uh, you know, as as ever in politics, you know, a lot of these things are actually outside the president's control. But of course, the man in the White House always gets the blame for it. And and I think you know, if there'd been a baby formula shortage under Donald Trump, then of course, Democrats would have said, "This is Donald Trump's America. You know, we can't even feed babies." And as it is, uh, Republicans are making hay with the shortage right now. A couple of months ago, just two months ago, I would have bet on in this order the border and illegal immigrants, undocumented foreigners, number one. Number two, the gradual rise in prices stroke the cost of, as we say here now, petrol as opposed to gasoline. Uh, Although if if you look at the cost comparisons, it's still cheaper to buy uh, a liter or a gallon of of fuel in the US by a considerable amount than it is in in Europe, in Britain, in South Africa, and in East, most of East Asia by a big factor. And then uh, the sudden and almost inexplicable intrusion of a foreign policy issue in the form of the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine. And I don't think anybody would have expected that Roe versus Wade abortion rights would have been the preeminent issue uh, defining the way people were going to vote. 
and yet here we are. What happened to Ukraine is an issue. It seems like it's uh, okay, the Ukrainians are winning, end of story. You know, the conventional wisdom is always that foreign policy does not decide elections. Now, interestingly, the decline in Joe Biden's popularity did coincide with um, the chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan, and that may certainly have dented his image. Uh, I'm sure it's very frustrating for the White House that what is currently perceived as a more successful effort in um, Ukraine, where America has provided billions of dollars worth of military aid and other support, and uh, Ukraine is holding its own in that conflict with Russia, and uh, I think also benefiting from surprising ineptitude of the Russian military. Uh, and it's received massive coverage in the US, but it's still hard to think that many people are going to sit there on election day when Joe Biden is not even on the ticket after all and say, Biden is a, a heroic war leader in the mold of Churchill, therefore I'm going to vote Democrat in these midterms. It just doesn't uh, impact people day to day the same as those other issues, except of course for the fact that Ukraine-Russia war is, is a contributing factor to the high petrol prices. They were going up anyway, but it certainly made things worse. Biden has tried to describe it as Putin's price hike. Remains to be seen if that um, slogan will really catch on, quite, quite possibly not. Um, well, but but I, yeah, I like that Putin's price hike. Right, but but yes, uh, you know, not for the first time. Events, dear boy, events, as Harold Macmillan in Britain said, elections are often upended in a presidential year. It's the October surprise. You know, uh, who would have ever dreamed of a coronavirus pandemic, of the Russian war in Ukraine, of all the events we've seen. So between now and November, there may be things we haven't even thought of. And as I say, I, I don't actually think uh, Roe versus Wade is going to be the biggest determinant, but it, it may now be in there uh, because, you know, the, the economy is always so important, but it certainly may be in the mix. And, um, you know, the, the margins are so narrow in American politics that if, even if it sways tens of thousands of voters, that could, uh, that could be important. I'm going to throw you a, a slight curveball, if I might. Uh, here we are. We're, we're two years and a bit away from the 2024 presidential election. And uh, most of the smart money that I've seen says that Joe Biden very clearly wants to run for re-election, absent some, some unimaginable circumstance. Um, but among Republicans, although Donald Trump seems to, on alternate days, want to and perhaps not want to run again, there are other people lining up the moment he slips a bit or exhibits the first, first sign of dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever. Uh, who will push really hard to get in in front of things. And I mean, the, the name that comes to my mind first, of course, is the governor in Florida, uh, Governor uh, Ron DeSantos. But there are a few others who are trying. And somebody once told me that the key determinant for figuring out whether somebody is going to run for office is whether they drop a few pounds and get new suits. In which case, we're looking at President Mike Pompeo, who... Uh has uh, had spectacular weight loss in the last few months. And that may well be with a view to running for president. I mean, in this job, I'm, I'm fortunate as I, I get to see both Joe Biden and Donald Trump 
the two oldest American presidents in history, um, you know, up close fairly often. And, uh, you know, Biden is now 79 and, and you know, do, doing pretty well for that. You know, I mean, there are some days when you sort of see him walking slowly and you think, oh, you know, he's he's quite old. And then other days when he speaks and there's still some energy and grit and, you know, clear lucidity there. And, and, and I generally get the impression having interviewed his sister recently, having uh, read what uh, apparently he told Barack Obama that uh, he, he does intend to run for a second term. I think that's partly by default because there is no obvious alternative. And then um, Donald Trump, likewise, I think right now is probably the favorite, although as you say, there are some challenges. We're talking to David Smith. He's the Washington correspondent, respondent, excuse me, from the Guardian, and we've asked him to stay up really late in the evening or very, very early in the morning in in Washington. Looks like he's got a smile on his face still, so we're okay there. This is Brooke Spector, and we're in the deep dive. This is the deep dive with Brooke Spector. And we're back into the deep dive with David Smith. As I say, he's Washington correspondent for the Guardian newspapers. And uh, he's in Washington, obviously, and he's staying up very late for us just for this purpose. And I'm Brooke Spector, and I'm in a restaurant in Parkhurst in Johannesburg because there's no electricity in my house. Uh, it disappeared hours and hours ago. and We don't know when it's ever coming back. So I found a restaurant corner. Uh, a relatively quiet space. Uh, the owners of the restaurant seem not to mind about turning it into a radio studio. David, turn your attention to this. Uh, you, you've described Joe Biden as some days really clued in and switched on, and other days lost a step or two. Uh, now, two years from now, he's going to be, what, 81 or thereabouts running for president for re-election without question, the oldest man ever to run for president, let alone to be president. What do people tell you about his prospects for that? Should, should, should the Democrats now be looking for their new champion on, on a white horse? I think people worry, for sure, because of his age. Although, um, as you've mentioned, I used to be Africa correspondent, and uh, I certainly met my fair share of African leaders who were in their 80s or even 90s. And I remember, you know, running into Robert Mugabe in Zimbabwe at a polling station and, and so on. But um, right now, Biden seems to be regarded as the, the compromise, the pragmatic choice, the, the least worst choice. I think that for two reasons. One is um, there's no particularly obvious alternative. Um, his vice president, Kamala Harris, has not set the world on fire. And there's no real groundswell saying she would be a great president. And then Pete Buttigieg, who's ambitious, is uh, too young. He's still in his early 40s. Bernie Sanders, who's run a couple of times, is, is too old. Again, sort of late 70s, early 80s. Um, but the other key reason is that um, if Donald Trump runs again for the Republicans, then Biden is quite possibly a, a great choice, not least because in 2020, Biden beat Trump by 7 million votes. So you'd have to suspect there's a, a decent chance he would do that again, whereas someone like Kamala Harris, as a, as a woman of color, could be seen as, as a risky choice against Trump, who would 
whip up a lot of sexism and racism in America and weaponize those uh, against her. And as for as for Trump at the rallies, he certainly speaks and behaves like a man who's intending to run again. You know, he's extraordinarily for an ex-president. He's still holding campaign rallies in in farms in the middle of nowhere. Big crowds turn out. There's cheering, chanting. He uses all the old lines. He talks about building the wall and and so on. Um, he's endorsing lots of candidates in these midterms, staying very politically active. If he does not run, then yes, uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is uh, seen as very likely the potential heir apparent. Many would say he's just as right wing, just as ruthless as Trump, but without the chaos, without the violence, without the disorganization. Um, he is a, a governor who already gets things done, uh, might get things done as president. And so frankly, if you're a if you're a liberal, if you're a Democrat, you might find DeSantis even more scary than Trump. He's a kind of purified version. Uh, Trevor Noah, South African comedian, obviously now in America, describes uh, DeSantis as the sort of the, the Terminator upgrade, you know, the the Trump 2.0. Oh, dear. So everyone be everyone be worried. And, and there are some other uh, kind of, I mean, I think one that's quite interesting to watch is uh, Mike Pence, uh, who was Trump's vice president uh, for four years, uh, who fell out with Trump because uh, Pence refused to try to overturn the result of the 2020 election. He's formed a, a fundraising committee. He's uh, speaking at events. He's uh, backing some candidates against Trump in the midterms. Uh, he certainly seems to be making his move. Now, he's he's not a particularly charismatic person, but uh, he could maybe try to make an argument. Uh, look, I, I served with President Trump. Uh, we did great things together and try and win over Trump voters, but then also try to make a pitch to the more moderate Republicans that um, he gets it. He's not going to incite an insurrection. He's not going to break the rules as and and fire off angry tweets as, as Trump used to um so, so there's him and, and maybe some others, but right now it definitely remains Donald Trump's party. David, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. We've been talking with uh, David Smith, Guardian correspondent in Washington, Washington correspondent of The Guardian, let's put it that way, uh, veteran of Africa. And uh, you said you spoke to, or you, you, you talked with uh, old African leaders. You never had a chance to talk to Kenneth Kamuzu Banda, did you? Uh, Hastings Banda. He I know because he was old, right? Didn't he keep going to late nineties or even a hundred? I think. Um, I think he I did. Uh, clocked at one hundred and one. Right. I I did um, speak to Kenneth Kaunda after he ceased to be a, a president of Zambia, and and uh, he had a very good innings as well. But um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a age is how uh, how young you feel, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I'm 72 now, and age is much, it's, <laughs> I, I don't feel quite so upset with people in their 70s as I might have 10, 20 years ago. Anyway, right. <laughs> thanks very much for staying with us this morning, our time and evening, your time. And I hope we can do this again sometime as the uh, political calendar progresses and you get another, another look at it. Uh, we talked with David Smith about all things uh, American politics, the Supreme Court, the midterm elections, uh, the abortion ruling that may or may not be forthcoming in the way that the, uh, the leaked draft uh, ruling was issued, 
and the uh, the age of politicians.